Welcome back to Beyond the Field podcast. My name is Kane Wallstrom, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. We know that the listeners out there, clients, bells, are business owners, and also to people that are employed. Um, so we thought we'd give some, I suppose, generic insight as to what is happening. And I have some very special woman on the podcast today, Jamie Gallagher, which is obviously the founder and director of the People Project. Jamie, how are you? Good, thank you, Kane. Thank you for having us on here. No problem. And I have Anna Long McLean, who is obviously the people and culture consultant inside the Hi. organization. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Just a brief overview. Jamie, if you would just give us uh, the listeners an overview as to what you guys do. Sure. Um, so we are a outsourced HR provider for primarily SME businesses. So what that actually means is we support SMEs with any of their people-related matters um, that they may be faced with, whether it be um, uh, employment relations, restructuring, change, leadership coaching, um, all the way through to uh, executive uh, coaching as well with senior leadership teams, as well as learning development workshops and um, professional development. So we... Um, we really work with businesses that um, don't have an HR function usually. Uh, we do support larger corporates with ad hoc projects as well. It just really depends on what their needs are. But one of the things that we are all about, I've come from a um, background of uh, corporates as well as SMEs, me being a business owner myself, uh, one of the things that we really wanted to do was, was kind of tailor some of the best practice that you get in corporates, but blending it with the agility of SMEs and understanding what real businesses actually need. So we don't sometimes give the uh, always the, the black and white. We talk about kind of managing risk and making commercial outcomes um, possible in the people space for real um, Kiwi business owners. And 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 we're all um, we're all pretty young, and that's one of our points of difference as well. So we we really promote having more modern, simple solutions um, for business businesses in the people space. And I can vouch for these girls. Uh, they're very close friends of Money Empire team. We actually all share an office together and uh, we often have a drink and a joke around. So I can vouch these girls are good. So today, what I want to do is carry on with the COVID theme. Obviously, everything that you touched on there and what you guys do, Jamie, is really, really relevant um, in today's current climate. So you're talking about corporate worlds, you're talking about SMEs. Um, there's so many people that uh, COVID is going to affect from businesses to employers. So, uh, employees, sorry. So today, uh, we're going to talk around the employer side or the business um, owner side. So to kick it off, we've actually got quite a few questions here that uh, we've sort of found have been out there um, from what we're hearing from um, people uh, in the media. So we thought we'd ask you guys and put you guys in the hot seat and ask these questions. So firstly, let's run it with... Um, I suppose the current themes and feelings uh, in the market at the moment with COVID and Level 3 approaching from, from an HR or people perspective, what are they? Yeah, and um, I think what we've seen is um, we saw a real kind of knee-jerk reaction in the first, uh, well, the lead-up just the first week, actually. There's a real... Um, panic in the air with business owners about what it meant for them and obviously that depended on the industry with significant impacts in the likes of retail and hospitality 
and the tourism. Um, but we saw a, a lot of restructuring going on then. Um, but now as we enter and, you know, businesses have taken up the wage subsidies, there's a lot about what the government's doing. How can we get on board with it? Educating people, um, but also just really thinking how am I going to get out of this shit? So um, we did a huge amount of kind of education in those first couple of weeks in supporting businesses with uh, restructuring, get on, getting on board with the government subsidies. But what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks and with what a lot of businesses are talking about going forward, it is about um, the need to really diversify the businesses, which is, um, that's not necessarily a black and white HR thing, but it is really about um, actually changing the way we work. And so um, people, businesses are looking into or being a bit more kind of forward thinking about how do we do, how do we diversify business needs so that we can remain um, less vulnerable if these, if this type of thing happens again or the like. Um, but also having a real openness to flexible working. We've all been forced into it virtually overnight, and uh, we had, you know, and it's, for, you know, for a lot of organisations, it, it does work. Others, obviously, depending on the roles, it doesn't. But there is much more of a conversation going on about flexible working and what that means. But also, um, how do you manage a remote workforce off the back of that? So what, you know, how, how do you actually do that? You know, especially when at the moment it's all okay because everyone's doing it. So we're all in the same boat. But if we go back, um, you know, to a partial workforce where you've got some people working from home, some people working in the office, there is, there can create a disconnect um, between the cultures. Um, so we're hearing a lot of more, more of our corporate clients actually talking to those types of things. Um, and then there's also the other what big one other than restructuring is around well-being. So there's a real emph emphasis on mental um, and physical well-being in particular during the lockdown period and how people are actually keeping themselves engaged so that they are looking after themselves. I think that will become more and more important, uh, in particular with financial strains that some people will find themselves in if their husband or wife or friends and family may have lost jobs over the next six to 12 months. I think that the focus on well-being is going to become even more important. So I think those are a couple of the themes that you're going to be seeing, uh, you know, really around diversifying the businesses we've got, managing remote workforces, focusing on uh, well-being, and restructuring will continue to evolve over the next six to 12 months as well. The two things I take out of it is that with um, your kind of work as most businesses want to put their head in the sand. They don't really want to deal with it or hope that it never happens. So it's always a reactive approach, not a proactive approach um, to, to HR or to your guys obviously help. So I'm guessing sometimes you come in to put out fires, not actually being uh, on the proactive or the front foot. And secondly to that, um, for people's uh, mental wellbeing, watch Tiger King. Watch Tiger King. That'll make you feel sane. It will. <laughs> um, okay, following on from that, we're hearing obviously a lot about the word or using the word restructure a lot at the moment um, out in the community and the workforce. So what does this actually mean? And what, if you're a business owner, what do you actually have to do? Mm. It's pretty scary, actually, I think, when you hear about restructures because it's everywhere at the moment. Um, but in essence, of course, it would depend on the circumstances, the business, um, the industry and in, in what you're in or whatever. But the, the main thing is that a restructure is changing 
some sort of element of the terms and conditions of an employee contract. For example, hours. Lots of um, our clients are looking at reducing hours because they're not going to be able to open for as long as they usually are, or there's not enough work to um, be able to provide a full-time employee with 40 hours per week. So that in itself could actually be a restructure, um, all the way to what you see in the media at the moment, laying off staff, um, redundancies, getting rid of some or big chunks of um, uh, the business um, purely as a result of the, the huge financial strains that this lockdown has caused for lots of businesses in New Zealand. So when you think about a restructure and um, what it is in its most simplest form is it's uh, proposing a the change, so proposing the change, um, whatever it is, giving time to, to that employee to um, process that proposal, to have a think about whether or not it's the right thing to do for the business, for themselves, if they've got any alternatives to the proposal, uh, genuinely considering those proposed, um, or the, the feedback from the employees, because sometimes, and actually we've had a client ourself, um, have employees come back with a alternative proposal that actually worked out to be better and was run through, um, and then finalizing that change and making it happen. So that's really what a restructure is. Um, and it would again depend on what you're doing as to how long and how rigorous that process can be. Throw an example at you. If I am a manufacturing business, for example, and I can't generate any income in this lockdown because I can't access the factory and, and make stuff. Um, so obviously my income goes to zero for the month, but my overhead stay very high with employed staff of 50, 60, whatever it is. And I access the wage subsidy. Mm -hmm. And every person that was on their normal salary, whatever it be, from 50 to 200K or whatever, has then uh, obviously approached through the right sources, through you guys, and told, right, obviously there's no income for the next month. We've um, obtained the wage subsidy. Uh, we're going to offer just a wage subsidy instead of um, your normal income. Do, do they have to accept that? Because obviously, from a business point of view, if there's no income coming in, um, how can you pay staff? Hmm. I mean... I know, I know it's complicated. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking generic terms. Yeah, I guess to answer that question, if you have gone through that process of saying exactly that to your staff, look, this is what's happened. Um, we've lost $4 million in profit in four weeks. Our overheads are still there. We're still paying rent. We're still paying our insurances. Um, we've talked to the bank and they're, they're in a funny position to be giving us uh, money at the moment. We are genuinely not in a position to pay any more than the subsidy. And thank goodness for the subsidy. Um, and some people kick up a fuss, but they don't provide feedback that can genuinely change the outcome, then that employer has no other option but to do that. And it's actually, I mean, it's, it's not, it's shit, let's be honest, but it can happen because if that's the difference between you keeping your job and you getting four weeks and, and not knowing what's going to happen in this climate, I mean, it would be weird to, to come back and say, I don't want to do that. Fully agree. It sounds like you've got to go through, you've got to complete the process that's obviously amicable for everybody and try your best to do whatever, but also to, I fully agree, She's if you're being told take this or otherwise probably your job may be gone in this current climate, keep the job, you know, keep run through it. So yeah. moving on from that then, um, obviously if businesses 
what should they be thinking about around the redundancy? Obviously, if this has been considered, um, is there anything that they should be doing in this space, preempting it or going? What sort of process should they be going through? Yeah, that follows on from what Anna was just discussing. Um, ultimately, businesses need to to have considered uh, considered. Um, any other option, any other work arrangement, for example, reduced hours, um, putting somebody on, um, uh, substituting some of their time with annual leave, for example, we're seeing some clients use the government subsidy and then they are topping up their salaries with the existing annual leave that they've got, um, or putting people, um, you know, on uh, uh, pay cuts, that type of thing. So ultimately, before you get to, I have to make people redu redundant, you have to have considered and explored uh, other work arrangements. If there is a genuine reason um, that you do have to disestablish people, then yeah, absolutely, it's got to happen, as, as, as Anna was saying, and as long as you follow that process. Um, but we are seeing a lot of businesses that are further to what Anna said, actually taking on some of the feedback, because ultimately the business makes a decision with the information that they have at hand but they may have missed something through a consideration that is the purpose of the feedback is that you actually hear from your people to see if they have thought of something that you hadn't considered. And we've got a few clients and actually friends of ours that have reached out just during this time that have said, oh, you know, I'm not kind of sure what to do. And we said, oh, well, have a think, you know, think about another alternate arrangement and put it to your employer and see if it works. And, um, uh, Bronwyn, our other colleague, actually, she had a friend that that happened to, and she put an idea to them, and they, her employer said, actually, this is a great idea, let's do it. And so that meant for her, she actually retained her job just by really taking on taking the feedback period seriously and providing some decent feedback. It doesn't always change, you know, it, it absolutely doesn't, And um, but, but that's why we have it. So um, businesses also genuinely considering what their staff have got to say about it um, really yes. does. It's such a touchy subject or topic, isn't it, for a lot of people? Like, you know, when you're looking at your jobs on the line or, or something may be done, like, of course, people are going to panic. And I was just thinking while you're talking, imagine in six months or three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, the amount of cases that will go before the courts that may not get obviously dealt with outside. Would the courts, would, would the magistrates be like, screw this, this is, just, this is pandemic, we've never gone through this before. We can't do anything about this in most cases if people follow the process. Yeah, if they follow the process, they're definitely mitigating risk of employees having a valid case to raise a claim. Um, this is, we are seeing, and, we, and this is kind of what we've been saying. One, one thing that businesses need to think about, and, they, and this is what I mean about having longer term thinking, is the time, if, you, if your business, if you make everyone redundant and then six months later you're like, wow, we're actually going um, full steam ahead now, this is excellent, we're going to recruit, we, we need to recruit people. The time to recruit, the cost in recruiting and the management time to train a new employee is significantly more often than making a, a knee-jerk reaction to making someone redundant six weeks prior so or, or, or six months prior or something so i think that if businesses think about that and actually do their own due diligence in particular with the financials because this is what it's affecting most businesses with at the moment they um can they need they are going to make the right decisions but if you go back to the claims i mean anna could probably speak to that more um we are seeing 
a bit more of a limelight on that space because I think there is quite a few people that are taking the opportunity to not do the right process and just cut stuff. And that makes it even more reason there needs to be an emphasis on doing the right thing. Okay. So another question then. You, as a business owner, think, right, well, I do need to go through a restructure. I need to make people redundant. Can I, or is there a way where I go, well, I'll let go of my poor performance in my business? How, how is there any risk in this? And, and how, like, how would you go about that, though? Yeah, that's a, a tough and a bit of a tricky question um, because... Restructures and redundancies, in essence, are there to get rid of certain positions in your company that you no longer need. So you've looked at your three, six, nine-month plan as a result of COVID. You've seen that you there's certain areas in your business that you just genuinely don't need because there's not going to be, I don't know, um, the finances coming in or you're not going to be focusing on that area. How can you tie that which is genuine into potentially some ER issues that you've had with certain employees around performance? And I guess um, what you'd have to think about there is selection criteria, because that's really important when you're looking at making change and you've potentially got you know, only a, a limited amount of um, roles that you need. Uh, there's going to be more employees than roles. Therefore, how do you fairly choose who's going to pick them over the, uh, uh, you know, who's going to stay and who's going to go? Performance, performance indicators uh, can be an option to use as your selection criteria. So in a funny roundabout kind of way, you do have the ability to look at your top achievers or your better performers to stay on um, in, as well as following a proper process. So that's in a high level how I would, how I would potentially get around that. But to roll on from that then, can you reduce one person's out in your business, business and not the other if their roles are completely the same? I mean... Yes, you can. And it would, again, it would depend on, um, of course, every, the circumstances, of course, but you would, you would really be looking at what does the business need um, at the moment in terms of positions itself. I need a one FTE or I need um, half, half, you know, a part-time person. Um, does that mean that you propose that to your staff um, and say, look, we don't actually have any full-time positions going any longer, but we do have a part-time role um, and, you, and you position it in that way. Um, some people, again, this is, you can, because these things are all about, the, the whole point of proposing things is that you're trying to get an open discussion with the other party so that they can provide some response because there might actually be some people as a result of this lockdown that have gone, actually, I quite like being at home with my kids. Mm. Um, I want to focus on staying at home maybe two or three days a week now. Um, can I voluntarily say, look, I'm happy to take a reduction in hours? So it's conversations like that, um, that if you can try and open that up, then that would be a good way of reducing some people's hours and maybe not others. Big word is transparency. If you're the business owner, being transparent with the employees, being really upfront, really open, really honest. Mm -hmm. um, talking through it methodically to come to a decision. You're right, because there's people out there now that um, they may have one kid going to school and on level two, that may happen, but then daycare, they may not want the, the other one to go to daycare or whatever. So it may work, reduced hours of 
picking, dropping kids up and picking from school, whatever it may be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, is there any, the current climate we're in with this um, COVID, is there any leniency in any way uh, in this current climate? Um, generally not, and I, and I probably touched on that um, earlier uh, before, but no. So with, with the process, a change process is a change process. Businesses should follow the, follow the kind of the core elements of a, a consultation process. Um, and the reason for that is because there is so much heat at the moment on people doing restructures and people losing their jobs. We've heard a lot of employers uh, feedback saying, oh, you know, feedback from people saying, oh, my, my manager or my employer just pulled me into a meeting and told me not to come back tomorrow. Or I got a call on a Wednesday to say my job was, I, I didn't have a job anymore. So um, all that type of stuff, there's a huge amount of exposure for employers if they do that for their staff to raise personal grievances and claims. Um, that's an area that Anna actually specialises in, um, supporting employers with um, claims and mediation, if anything like that did happen. Um, so she's she kind of knows the ins and outs of that. But I, I guess ultimately, um, if you are following the process and you um, you can back that up all in writing, and you know that's another thing. Don't just have these conversations. Make sure if you have a conversation with someone, you've backed it up in writing so that you can really protect yourself um, that will be really critical and as well as remaining really professional it is about the role it is not about the the individual fundamentally it shouldn't be you know in terms of the process holding your integrity higher so lastly um, we're in level four at the moment we're going to level three next week 50 percent, i think of businesses will be going back to work or just under and then obviously level two rolling on probably most businesses obviously that can reopen that haven't been um, financially affected go back to work. So what does the transition like uh, look like? Obviously, going back to work from working from home and then and transitioning into that, I suppose, the new normal, which is social distancing and back into our offices. What, what should people anticipate or, or look for? Yeah, and I, and I guess we kind of touched on that with the themes that we we keep say, um, we said that we've been hearing in the market. It's workforces need to be open to flexible work arrangements. As we move into level three and, and you know, level two, the whole social distancing thing is going to force some flexibility in that there will be businesses that are rotating staff. So we've heard businesses that are doing 50% on, 50% off, week on, week off, as they do a slow transition in, or it might be 30-30-30. We've heard people that are still going to keep everyone working from home um, in the office type roles, obviously, uh, through until level one, um, because they feel that they, it's, you know, they want to do the right thing from a health and safety perspective. So there's a lot of different considerations, but um, absolutely being open to, you know, flexible work arrangements. But I I say that um, covered with also, Sometimes flexible work arrangements aren't necessarily ideal. It is very role specific. Sometimes you can't do that. Um, it also might be that a business has a focus on building and connecting their culture and therefore having people here, there and everywhere doesn't work for a, for a period of time. So those types of things need to be discussed. But I think that um, communication is really key. And as you said before, being really transparent and genuinely caring, you know, communication is even more important in when you're managing remote workforces and during times of uncertainty you just don't understand sometimes what individuals are going through so i think that i think having that empathy and leading with empathy and um 
and being authentic is incredibly important at the moment. And there's a lot of literature um, out there from big businesses in America and the like um, saying that, you know, really leading through a crisis, it is about being um, very authentic and open. Girls from the People Project, absolutely amazing. Um, to all the listeners out there or people that follow us, if you do need really good advice that's obviously cutting edge with um, really sophisticated young women, get onto it. Jamie, where can we find you? Uh, we are at um, thepeopleproject.co.nz. We are based in Ponsonby with you guys, obviously. Um, but you can yeah, reach out on our, our website, uh, info at thepeopleproject.co.nz. Cool. Part one done and dusted for employers or business owners and part two will be coming up. So stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you.